spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Welcome to the 137th Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Well, I have a tale of nightmare weather from the Midwest. Last Friday, they were warning, you know, the blizzard was going to come. Estimates were about, started off 6 to 12 inches. Then it evolved to 8 to 14 inches, okay? And I was like, you know what? Everybody's going to stay home. Uh, It's a really weird phenomenon where you don't see anybody on the road. For those who don't see snowfall, it's a very weird thing. But anyway, I was supposed to work Saturday, right? I I was actually kind of excited because I wanted that overtime money. And I wake up at 5.30 in the morning, and the snow outside of the garage door was up to the taillights, right? Yep. And I was like, okay, my car, it's all-wheel drive. I've never had a problem with it. So I start backing out, and it's almost like the snow was so deep, it kind of like lifted my car up just enough (laughs) so that all the wheels were spinning, and I could not move. So I shoveled that out, got back a little further, got stuck again, started to shovel that out. The guy uh, with the skid loader was coming, try to clean the street a little bit and he saw me and he like tried to move a little of the driveway and then he started getting stuck so he's like fuck this i'm getting out of there (laughs) i dig myself out and i floor it backwards and i hit the street and it started getting stuck again and at this point it's been like 45 minutes later and i'm like you know what fuck this i went back inside (laughs) and i'm like (laughs) Sorry, I cannot make it. I can't even get out of the fucking driveway. And then I'm looking up how much snow we got in the city I live in. How much do you think total we got? Oh, from the sounds of it, I'm going to say 18 inches. 21 inches. Jesus. believe that? Fuck that. Yeah. Holy shit. Dude, it was gnarly. It's been many years since I've seen snow that deep. And then it was like, uh, later in the day, I pl- I ended up just shoveling my own driveway. And we ran a few errands or whatever. And I helped an old man get his car unstuck. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just, <laughs> I got what we needed. I'm just going to sit in the goddamn house and just yep. not worry about that. But then obviously, uh, you start to hear later in the day, we got all that snow in Minnesota. Uh, my parents in Iowa, apparently it was like really thick freezing rain. And then it, obviously in Kentucky, that was a huge tragedy. All those tornadoes that uh, that happened and, and killed quite a few people. And that was the same. Yeah. It was all attached from what I heard. Yeah, it was all kind of like part of the same front. Uh, I actually saw on the news yesterday that 
it was confirmed to be an F4 tornado, the one that destroyed those towns. Uh, Apparently, it was touched down for miles. So that is a nasty tornado, especially for December. December, it's unheard of. I mean, it's it's super rare just to have like any tornadoes at all in uh, you know the winter months, but to have an F four in December, there's there's definitely something wrong. It's it's going to be hard to deny the climate change. You know, I mean, really, a lot of it was happening out in the West Coast with all the fires and stuff. Having this shit happen, like getting like the snowfall you're talking about, like the Laura Ingalls Wilder type of snowfall where it's you know coming up to the windows. That's going to be pretty crazy. Okay. Well, have you been updated with the storm from yesterday? No, I haven't. My uh, So actually, my sister who lives in southern Minnesota was talking about how they were in their basement because of tornadoes. Yeah. Um, oh, man. We were... we That storm avoided us. It was supposed to be really bad, but their yeah, first ever recorded tornado in December hit yesterday uh, in Minnesota. In our hometown, they got ravished by, I don't know if it was a tornado or just exceedingly heavy winds, but there's videos of barns that are leveled, fucking Mm. huge trees uprooted, the power's been out all day, I guess. Um, Yeah, it's it's nasty. That's not good for anyone with electric heat. That's uh, that's a shitty situation. Yeah, my my mom and dad said their power was out until 1 a.m. last night. And obviously they didn't have access to their furnace or anything because of that. So, yeah, that can get uh, really bad really fast. But just here's the weird thing. We went from the 20 inches of snow, cold as shit. Two days ago it was 50. And then yesterday it got really cold, started to get cold again, had all the rainfall. And then today was heavy winds and it was 20 degrees. So... Yeah, so it's not a uh, great time in the Midwest. And then add to the fact that cold and the flu are just running rampant. I heard from someone who went to the hospital like two days ago that the COVID is really bad there. So, yeah, it's not uh, not a great time in Minnesota. How is how is Arizona, Phil? I'm going to say that with the weather, we feel your pain because I went to work this morning And I've got to say, it was almost like probably 40, 45 degrees when I got to work this morning at five in the morning. So I feel your pain with the cold. It's uh, it's getting down. For you, that's probably equivalent to like negative five for us, right? Like as far as like how you feel. Everyone's wearing like, you know, jeans and winter coats and everything like that. So I'm still in uh, I'm still in T-shirt and shorts mode pretty much. So my my blood's still just a tiny bit thick. From, from my days, <laughs> well, you know, uh, up north. The se- winter season's still early, so I'm sure you might be hearing more of this. Hopefully not, but I'm sure yeah. you probably will. I was going to say that I have heard that the Omicron virus, the new variant, even though I guess they were trying to stop it in South Africa, apparently it's in, from what I heard, like 70 countries, I believe. And it's supposedly it's spreading quicker than like the common cold. So, yeah, it was a six times more contagious than all the other well, versions of coronavirus. Yeah, I heard it's highly communicable. They said, like, basically, if you're if you're in the breathing radius of someone who has it, you're probably going to get it. So, but the positive is so far, 
it is a significantly less dangerous version of the virus, which is, you know, obviously we've all became <laughs> virologists in the last few years, and that means that the virus is losing its power, which is good, yep. which is what we want. So hopefully it will stay on that uh, that trajectory. Everybody back out to the bars and the gyms and stop wearing those fucking masks. <laughs> there will be a day in the near future where that does happen. You know, uh, maybe that we talked about it a long time ago, that guy's theory that uh, the common colds that we deal with now were once originally coronaviruses. And I don't know, maybe that could happen. Maybe we'll witness it in front of our eyes. But uh, we'll see probably in the next year or two. But anyway, let's let Phil take over and uh, lead us into whatever the fuck we're talking about today. All right, let's get started. For thousands of years, humankind has looked up at the night sky in total wonder. Firstly, trying to figure out what exactly those tiny little dots of light in this night sky could possibly be. After the dawn of civilization and the birth of what we now call astronomy, those tiny little dots would begin to be tracked, with the observers beginning to make all sorts of connections between those stars and the Earth's place in the universe. Eventually, figuring out that those tiny little dots of light were in fact stars that were not so different than the one that lies at the center of our solar system. Just think about that. So many suns out there, at least what we can see, have you ever watched that YouTube video about kind of like the sizes of the different suns in the atmosphere or in the ga or universe, I should say? I haven't seen that, but I did take uh, an astronomy class when I was at college. We kind of talked about a lot of the different sizes and what some of their names are. So kind of how the sun at the center of our solar systems um, kind of uh, like a medium sized star. So. Well, the, they had one on there. I don't remember what they call it, but it was like, if you were to put it where our sun was, it, the edge of it would be touching like Jupiter, I think. That might be Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse? Yeah, Betelgeuse is a, like a huge star. Like as big as Jupiter is compared to the sun, I believe that's how big the sun is compared to Betelgeuse. God damn. Uh, it's a really big star out there. Uh, okay, are you more of a Beetlejuice or Beetlegeist guy? Um, Beetlejuice, but I think it can also be said Beetlegeist, <laughs> yeah. maybe. I almost feel like it's supposed to be Beetlegeist, but uh, obviously not everyone's German. <laughs> My professor called it Beetlejuice. Okay. So I'm going to okay. go with Beetlejuice. <laughs> okay. With the advancement of technology throughout the past few centuries, the moon and the other planets in our solar system were able to finally be observed in a better way than with just merely the naked eye. With theories coming about that perhaps life may exist on some of these planetary bodies, and with the advancements of radio, telescopes, and visual telescopes over the past century, the stars in our galactic neighborhood were able to finally be observed in a consequential way. And beliefs began to form that perhaps life may exist on some of those proposed planetary bodies surrounding nearby stars, now being confirmed by planet-hunting orbiting satellites like Kepler and Hubble. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, with those telescopes, can they, I mean, they can't really see like deep into the surface, right? They can kind of just see 
I don't know. How would you describe it? Like, if you see a picture of Mars from really far away, you can, like, see the atmosphere, but you can't see necessarily what the ground looks like. Well, actually, I'm going to talk about it later. Okay. But we have a brand new planet hunting satellite. It is actually called the James Webb Space Telescope, and it's supposed to take over for Hubble. Um, it's actually going to be launching pretty soon here from what I was reading on uh, some of the articles that I've been looking up. But yeah, uh, so Hubble is what's known kind of as like a direct imaging, which basically means it just kind of like takes pictures. There's different types of satellites or planet hunting satellite telescopes. Basically, there's ones that kind of track how much light is being obstructed from a star, uh, meaning that if a planet goes in front of its own star, we can see how much like the light dips. There's also ones where we can see how much of a wobble a star has, uh, which kind of tells us like how big and what type of planets might be around it to interfere with its wobble. So interesting. Okay, man, it uh, that'll be pretty sick if they can get or if they have that uh, technology where they can like actually see deep into planets that are that far away. Yeah, one of the things, I'm not sure if it's like from somebody that I know at work was telling me about this James Webb uh, telescope. Basically, it can see like on the surface of Mars. Like right now, we can just kind of see Mars and like like you were saying, its atmosphere and its outline. Supposedly, it'll be able to, from orbit around Earth, it'll be able to actually see onto the surface of Mars. It'll be like that crisp, so... Damn, that'll be sick. Yeah, uh, one as other, if it was a telescope over Mars. So one other uh, quick thing, maybe this just has to do with our uh, growing up. But when I hear like planet hunting, right? Uh, for some yeah. reason, all I can think about is Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. Yes, Remember of course, he... the great documentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like his big thing. Like, oh my God, he can blow up a planet, and now it's like Goku could blow up the whole fucking universe if he wants. With a click of his finger, yeah, or a yeah. snap of his finger, I mean. Yeah, basically. Yeah, definitely. One of the most popular ways of trying to find alien life outside of our own universe is via the use of radio telescopes. Now, they seek out communications that had been sent out from distant planets, possibly like our own. Now, capturing the long-traveling radio waves in either a single large or a series of smaller satellite dishes all aimed at specific targets in space, which researchers believe or possibly hope may have advanced life. Now, this is I'm assuming this is under the assumption that they would use a similar radio wave technology to what we do, right? Yes, that's kind of the kind of the hope that we can find extraterrestrial life out there that's still using radio waves like the ones that we use that they haven't just moved on to something bigger and better we're actually trying to almost find like a time capsule because you got to think if say this alien civilization if their planet is 50 light years away that means that it's taken light 50 years to get here but if they're 50,000 light years away or a million light years away that's the how long it takes light to get there so it's almost like we're looking back in time at their communications. Gotcha. Okay. You think, yeah. okay, I know uh, we've sent up like D people's DNA, right? Isn't that floating in orbit in, I, I guess, in hopes if we went extinct, 
Like another species would find it. Am, am I right on that? Well, we have sent out Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. So Voyager 1 had on it. I'm going to talk about it later. It's called okay. the Golden Record. So it basically, it's a it's a record made out of gold. And kind of the deal is when you play it, it has visual and audio uh, tied into it. So it has pictures of humans. It also has about 90 minutes of audio. It has um, songs back from the 70s on it. Uh, one of the guys I'm going to talk about today actually was one of the people who um, created it for right. Voyager 1. Hell so, yeah. Can't wait to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It also has a diagram of where the Earth is relative to the galactic center. So, Gotcha. Maybe they should have put some episodes of uh, some D- Sub D on that bad boy. Yeah, I think we're about 50 years too late for that. It got <laughs> sent up in the 70s. So <laughs> Now... Born on May 28, 1930, in Chicago, Illinois, Frank Donald Drake had an early love for astronomy, which turned into an obsession for him in college after he had first witnessed Jupiter through a 15-inch telescope at Cornell University, where he had been actually studying to become an aircraft designer. Eventually, he would graduate with a degree in engineering physics. Because of the scholarship that he had attained, he was forced to join the Navy after his college. Uh, This is where he would work on electronics on a heavy cruiser called the USS Albany. Okay, all right. So he, was that a normal thing back then? If you get a scholarship, it's like you got to serve time in the uh, military service? Well, this is post-World War II. So I'm guessing that they were doing a lot of stuff with the GI Bill and everything like that in the 50s. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm guessing, if, but if the Navy gives you a scholarship, I'm guessing you have to go there. Kind of like people who play college football for Army, Navy, Air Force, they kind of have to go into, you know, into service for a few years after that, unless they get drafted and get an exemption. Gotcha. Okay. Now, Cornell, what sport are they known for? I don't know if they're known for a sport. Uh, they're actually a really good uh, university. Um, they're one of like those East Coast universities. They probably play some pretty good uh, like crew, like rowing. I'm guessing ah, that they do that okay. pretty well, maybe. God, I swore I've heard Cornell in some sport together, but I just, I don't pay close enough attention to know. Maybe it's badminton. They're probably <laughs> killing it at badminton right now. Probably. So after his short stint in the Navy, Drake would attend Harvard University for his postgraduate degree in astronomy, where he would put his engineering know-how to use, being placed in the radio telescope department at Harvard. Now, while attending, Drake first began to realize the importance of radio astronomy. He would actually go on to believe that it was the key in possibly finding extraterrestrial life. So, uh, do you know approximately what year it might have been when he went to Harvard? Like, would have this been post Roswell and uh, such? Oh, as when, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Roswell was Roswell was nineteen forty seven, and uh, he graduated Harvard in nineteen fifty eight. Okay, so. so he like the UFO craze is kind of hot right now. Oh yeah, eleven years deep at this okay. point. So, all right, definitely. Well, I mean, very uh, trailblazing because this is still a pretty firmly held belief, right? 
Well, yeah, the belief that you could use these radio telescopes to find possibly like alien civilizations in outer space. He's actually the person who really like pioneered it. It's it's his idea is what I'm going to get into. Okay. Yeah. After Harvard, Drake would find a position at the National Radio Astronomy Observatory at Greenbank, West Virginia in 1958, working with Greenbank's 85-foot radio telescope, which was obviously better than any radio telescope that he had worked on while he was at Harvard. Drake would use this telescope two years later, when in April of 1960, he and a few of his colleagues at Greenbank set up an observation of Tau Ceti in the constellation Cetus and Epsilon Eridani in the constellation Eridanus, each being approximately 11 light years or 64 trillion miles away from our sun. Both have about the same brightness as our sun, Sol. Uh, at the time, it was assumed that there might possibly be planets orbiting them. During this time, you're saying basically with the technology that they had, they couldn't quite, they could see the sun, but they couldn't quite tell if there's planets around it. Oh, no. Yeah, actually, they, they didn't find any exoplanets at all until I think maybe the 90s or 2000s. There is actually a belief that there wasn't planets around other stars uh, it was a a little held belief. Not very many like astronomers actually had it because they were kind of thinking if Earth has nine, why wouldn't other you know stars have at yeah. least some? And now we know just from the fact that almost every single star we look at at least has one planet. So, well, the real question is: Do any of those planets have followers of Jesus Christ? Well, <laughs> that's why we're going to send the pilgrims out there. There we go. And enslave. I'm sorry. Teach. Teach all of their people. <laughs> Here's what's a real going question. On. Does that little uh, thing they set up in the space, uh, did they, do you think someone tried to force a like Bible or Quran or, or something like that into it? Oh, I imagine Ronald Reagan gave it a fucking, gave it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, can you imagine like aliens getting that book, the Bible, and reading it and be like, what the fuck Ugh. is this? Ugh. We were going to go teach those fucking dumbasses uh, some curing cancer shit, but you know what? Let's just leave them alone. Let's just keep our distance. <laughs> From April of 1960 until June later that year, for about six hours a day, West Bank's 58-foot radio telescope was aimed at those two stars. Really, though, little to nothing came through the receivers or came onto any of their dials uh, other than static. This was with the exception of some noise that happened on that first day, uh, though it is assumed that that was nothing more than interference, possibly from the Army or Air Force running a nearby radar jamming test or possibly coming from airport radar. Actually, there are some conspiracy theorists out there who believe that those tests from the military were really just an attempt to disrupt. So, okay. So the the theorists theorized that the military wanted to stop them from reaching out to any sort of extraterrestrial life that could be out there. Even though they yes. probably, I mean, I guess if they did have a body of an alien somewhere, maybe they would tell them that they actually did exist, but that seems like quite a stretch. 
Yeah, this is kind of it's it's not a very big conspiracy theory. It's kind of maybe on the end of a red string, like the very almost off the almost off the corkboard, pretty much. Mm. So grasping for straws is what it sounds like. Definitely. So this project named Project Ozma, even though the first test was not a great success, it did gain a lot of attention from the scientific community. And in 1961, Drake would be invited by biologist Peter Pierman to host a conference about Project Ozma and the work being done with the radio telescopes. The conference would be held at the telescope's home in Greenbank, West Virginia. I mean... They have a conference about it, but it doesn't seem like so far he has necessarily much to talk about outside of the tr- what they're trying to do. No, he doesn't really have much to talk about, but kind of like the idea of using very, very new technology to find possible alien civilizations out there was very popular at the time. Gotcha. Okay, now I'm assuming this radio telescope this wasn't specifically what it was designed to do am i following that right no not exactly so radio telescopes were really kind of meant to send a radio signal out into space have it bounce off something and then come back and then however that uh, radio wave was kind of disrupted or changed was meant to tell you something about Uh, what it had been through, or what it had bounced off of. Now we use things like light spectroscopy to kind of see how, you know how light can be spread into a prism? Yeah. So basically that prism gets spread out. And then if you look at the, all of the colors in there, you can kind of see where little, little bits of color are missing. You can actually see pattern starting to form like oh this light went through an atmosphere that had hydrogen in it so the little specks that represent hydrogen are gone and also nitrogen nitrogen's gone that kind of stuff interesting that's really simple compared to what is you know the actual science of it it's just the best that i can describe it but they were kind of using radio waves in the same way to kind of bounce them off of atmospheres or planetary bodies to see how they were disrupted gotcha okay uh the light thing I I like kind of knew that because I think they actually use that in things outside of ex- space exploration things. Um, yes. But yeah, the light thing, I would have never put that together, but that actually makes a whole bunch of sense of how they can figure out the, I guess, chemicals uh, on, ec- you know, whatever planet or the gases that exist there. Yeah. So one of the best ways to figure out so right now they're in a, in the hunt for like the Earth-like planet, uh, the Goldie in the Goldilocks zone. So they'll use a bunch of different forms of like planet hunting to try to figure out different things about the planet. So you want to figure out its size and its position in its own little star system by using you know like a Kepler or um, trying to figure out different little things like that. But when you want to find out what kind of stuff it has in its atmosphere, you basically wait until that planet goes in front of its star. And then the light going through it will tell you a lot about what's in its atmosphere. Interesting. Okay. God, that's so fascinating. I hope by the time we die, we will be able to find at least one of them. 
Well, we both have Amazon Prime, so we're never going to truly die. There are just uh, our True. brains are going to be put into servitude for Jeff Bezos on yeah. his new planet. So I'm I'm sure they're going to figure out a way to download fucking consciousness, ba- literally like altered carbon. Yeah, Bezos is going to be first. He'll be our overlord yeah. running let's, the supercomputer. Let's uh, when we find that planet, let's just go ahead and uh, let him uh, take his spaceship there. Let's just go ahead and uh, get him on a one-way trip there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he's going to Mars, so he might not come back. <laughs> now, before the conference began, Drake was actually kind of trying to compile his thoughts and his notes into what really the agenda for that conference would be. This was when he realized that all of the points that he really wanted to make at the conference in the regards to like the search for alien life could all be quantified into a single number. This would be later introduced as the Drake Equation at that conference in Green Bake. And that is where our episode really begins today with the Drake Equation and trying to answer that age-old question, if there are alien civilizations out there, why haven't we heard from them or heard back from them yet? You know what? That's the ultimate question. You know, the Drake Equation uh, for the Gen Zers out there, all right, they probably hear that and instantly assume how a Canadian actor on a little <laughs> hit show named Degrassi became an international hip hop star and has apparently had sex with Kim Kardashian. You know, that might be the real Drake equation, but this is a different different Drake. I don't think this guy rapped at all, did he? Was Was Drake on Degrassi? Oh yeah, he was. Oh, that's I where didn't he know came that. From. That's is that he how he started. became famous? Yeah. So he oh, got, okay. It is. It's so funny. The funniest thing about Drake, like, don't get me wrong, I do like some of his music, but when the Raptors were like winning the fucking <laughs> uh, oh, the champ- NBA championship, yeah. yeah. Usually, you see all these like celebrities are like they're looking at the Lakers game, they're at the Knicks game. Uh, he's like the only celebrity at the <laughs> Raptors game cheering him on. And it just, I don't know, just it just made me laugh because he's so Canadian. Just normal looking Canadian fellows in uh, denim tuxedos sitting in the front row. And then there's just Drake sitting there yeah. <laughs> cheering him on. Come <laughs> yeah. on, guys, win the basketball. He doesn't even know how to play basketball <laughs> or the, what the score is. It's just so funny. I, I don't know. It's just... I don't know. It feels like rap such like an American thing, like the United States yeah. thing. And you have this Canadian guy who just, uh, if you didn't know he was from Canada, you would never know he was Canadian. So it's just, he's uh, he's a funny guy. Yeah. I didn't, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't really know. I'm not a huge music person, so I don't really pay attention to much music unless basically it was like heavy metal that came out while I was in high school. I don't really know much about music anymore. <laughs> well, you know Drake, right? You know he's like... Yeah, no, I know who he is. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of him before. But yeah, if uh, if you ever feel like watching Degrassi one weekend, yeah, you can see young Drake on there. All right, well, that's a uh, recommendation from old Cody there. Yeah. Watch a 20-year-old 20, 20 uh, teen's... Mo- what is it? A drama. TV show, right? Like a teen drama. Teen drama? Okay. <laughs> now... Before I get into the Drake equation, a few quick achievements from Frank Drake before we move on. Before helping to create SETI in the 1980s, Frank Drake had a hand in mapping the center of the Milky Way galaxy. He also 
would discover atmospheric density and wind patterns on the planet Venus. Also, he is responsible for naming pulsar stars. One of the last things that I'm going to mention, he and friend Carl Sagan, like I mentioned earlier on, teamed up to make the golden record on the Voyager spacecraft, which contained over 100 photos and about 90 minutes of audio. Also, it contained a map of Earth's relative location in the galaxy as compared to the center of the galaxy. And it also kind of showed like naked humans and what humans looked like. The humans looked very, they kind of looked like naked Mormons. Like one was like waving at a stupid look on his face. So, okay. So you, you assume that by what you just said there, that they basically picked the most generic type of human. <laughs> You know, they're obviously probably not going to put, like, Jeff Bezos and then, uh, I don't know, some supermodel on there, right? They're just going to put probably your normal, everyday, normal human on there. Oh, yeah. They looked very, uh, like, very much like they're from the suburbs. Very, uh, you know, 80s television show type people. Gotcha. And they had to be naked, huh? Well, they happened to be naked. I don't know if they had to be, but... (laughs) They were yeah, they were naked our, on the on the on the record. Maybe so. our boy Drake here is a little bit of a pervert. <laughs> Possibly. Now you've heard of Carl Sagan before. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's a big yeah. UFO guy, right? Oh yeah, he's a he's a big time astronomer. So gotcha. Yeah, I've I definitely know I've heard that name before. Um, do you know this is completely irrelevant to the episode? But who the hell got a name at the Milky Way galaxy? That's what I want to know. I don't exactly know. I always thought that it was named Milky Way Galaxy because of uh, like the white streak in the sky. Yeah. Kind of like where when you can like look at the Milky Way Galaxy in the sky, you see all the stars in that white streak. So yeah. that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Are you a fan of Milky Way the candy? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm a pretty big fan. I'm always happy at Halloween when I used to get those. More than Snickers. Would you take one over Snickers? Yes. Okay. That's a- Though I would choose Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and Three Musketeers over Milky Way. All right. Controversial opinion, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Going to get a lot of emails about that you one. You are. Now, about the Drake equation. It was created really just to kind of quantify uh, how many advanced civilizations might be out there in the universe. Now, this was by installing numbers for all of the factors that Frank Drake thought would be important in trying to figure out a decent guess to how many alien civilizations might be out in the universe, especially ones that might be willing to send us communications. Interesting. I See, I don't know if I've ever heard of this, but from what you kind of said earlier, he kind of accidentally stumbled into this equation. Is that kind of... Or he noticed a pattern? That's kind of how you... I was assuming he he kind of discovered it. How I read it, and this was in a couple of different articles, it was almost as if he kind of made an agenda for this conference, kind of like put down the bullet points of what he thought was going to be important in finding alien civilizations, and then realized that he could break these down into numbers and get uh, like an equals to number for all of the possible planets out there that might have alien civilizations. Interesting. Okay. I, I'm, uh, I'll be excited to hear this. There's one thing I, that kind of I always remember, and this is, uh, 
you know, starring the meme for the show Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's him and some of the other astronomers. When when you ask them about aliens, they give literally the most generic, coach-speak, nondescript answer. And it it's kind of infuriating. Do you know kind of what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I always kind of figured that it's because they have jobs and are trying to keep them. That's so a good they don't want to seem like they're too far out there, but they're also trying to stay on television. So. Yeah, they'll never say yes or no. They always say, no. well, maybe it could be this. Well, maybe it could be this, but it could also be this. But yeah, maybe it could be this. And just like- also, also, that's kind of scientific speak. They're not going to say anything until they have the absolute concrete solid answer. Not until the thing that they are wanting to say is law. So the thing about aliens is it's kind of a Schrodinger's cat situation. They like they can't say specifically yes to aliens. So they have to say like maybe or probably, possibly, those kind of words. They always have to kind of like how we always say supposedly or allegedly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so your theory on that is it's more of a um, political move, sort of, as far as their careers go. Yeah, somewhat. Like they, I they, mean, it's yeah, more, they, they have it's to, more politics. Yeah, you're right. It's politics is a good word. Yeah, you just have to follow the horseshit, uh, lo- you know, laws that were laid out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the lo- the thing about it is scientific law. So say like gravity is a scientific law. They could say for certain that gravity exists because, you know, there's been experiments, there's been all sorts of, you know, scientists who've looked into it and uh, it's it's held up to scrutiny. Scrutiny against there not being gravity or gravity not being a real thing. Sorry, flat earthers. But <laughs> the thing about aliens is it obviously can't hold up to scrutiny yeah. because there's no proof of it. So Right. Yeah, and Jeff Bezos isn't going to let anybody experiment on him, so they're, exactly. uh, they can't prove he is a reptilian shapeshifter. Yes, exactly. There's only four seats in Barry Sotero's time machine. That's one for Jeff Bezos, one for the Queen, one for the Pope, and one for Sotero. So there's no room <laughs> for anyone else, so he's got to uh, keep his secret. You know what this show's done to me? I uh, I actually started to replay Pokemon White. I don't know I had a craving to play Pokemon. Uh, yep. I named my character Satiro. So nice. just a shout out to old Barry there. Yeah. Time traveling reptilian. <laughs> Still, he looks a lot younger now, actually, when you see him on TV. He used to look like he was in his mid 50s. He's gone back down to the 40s. So got more adrenochrome, I guess. Uh, definitely. Yeah. So the Drake equation laid out, uh, it kind of looks a little weird if you see it. I'm going to actually... I'm going to say the Drake equation, kind of how it's said, uh, so that it is N equals R star times FP times NE times FL times FI times FC times L. Now, how it's said is number equals rate star times fraction P times number E times fraction L times fraction C times length. What the fuck? I, look, I'm going to be real with you. I'm terrible at math, so I'm just going to try to follow this based off your description. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say what all of those little, uh, little, uh, basically the numbers, the rates, the fractions, what those all stand for. All right. So N is the number of detectable civilizations in space. 
So that is the first part, the N equals part. Okay. Then we go on to rate star. That is the rate at which new stars are formed. And these are all variables that you can punch in to this equation to get out different numbers. Next up is FP, and that is the fraction of stars with planets. Now, number E is the number of planets per star where conditions are suitable for life. FL is the fraction of planets where life actually emerges. FI is the fraction of life-containing planets where an intelligent civilization develops. And you see how these are kind of narrowing down into more and more specific things. Right. FC is the fraction of intelligent civilizations that produce communications technology we can actually detect. L is the length of time the communicating civilization remains detectable. So it kind of goes down from like the biggest number, which is rate at which new stars are formed, to the last number, which is kind of uh, these last three are a little bit harder to get your kind of head wrapped around because they're pretty much complete guesses. But the last one is the length of time communicating civilizations remain detectable, meaning how long an advanced civilization goes on for before it burns itself out. Or in our case, you know, turns its planet into a burnt out cinder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this is, a, you know, the question doesn't necessarily make sense to myself, but I'm assuming it cannot be completed because of, wouldn't it be the last four that they haven't really found any of those outside of our own? Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of a guess. So Mm. the fraction of which planets where life actually emerges. So if you kind of look at our own solar system, we have eight planets. One of them has life on them. So one eighth. That would be a good fraction to install in that, uh, you know, in that equation. Okay. Basically, I got. I mean, you. you would be justified in putting that in there. There's probably, you know, people much smarter than me who would argue for different fractions. But I would just looking at that right off the bat, I would say the fraction would be one eighth. Okay, I mean that makes sense because technically they don't, they haven't established communication with with anywhere else. Yeah. So for those last four, like we were just talking about, we can only really look at maybe what our best guesses are or kind of how it relates to our solar system. So fraction of planets where life actually emerges, it's just us. So, you know, one in eight for all those fractions. But you really, like the last one, we really don't know because we don't know how long ours is going to remain detectable. Like what's the average? So we won't know until we die out, basically. Well, you could talk to the... Uh, history major Paul used to work at uh, uh, Mabes. Oh yes, six thousand years. Um, and then yep. I'm sure he'll tell you when the rapture's coming or something like that. When Jesus is coming back? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Ask. Uh, there's no better person to ask than someone who will run off and basically get drunk under a bridge whenever he gets the opportunity. So. Hey, Sears come from everywhere, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It might be how he gets his Nostradamus powers. He's got to get just belligerently drunk, and then all his biblical prophecies come out. Yeah, definitely. Now, like we were kind of talking about a little bit, 
depending on the numbers that you input for all of the different variables in the equation, you can get a lot of different answers to the Drick equation. And usually those numbers go right along with how the person inputting the variables feels about the chances of there being life outside of our solar system. For example, if you are very skeptical of life forming anywhere besides planet Earth, you might make the fraction of planets where life actually emerges very low. And vice versa, for if you believe that there is a lot of life-bearing planets surrounding the stars in the night skies and beyond. I'm more most curious about how Mr. Uh, Drake felt about his own equation versus what uh, other people do. Well, I didn't get a chance to email him, so I don't know, uh, you know, firsthand what he thinks about his equation nowadays. I do know that basically there are, you know, quite a few things that have changed with what kind of numbers you can input in for some of his equation. I do know that people still like reference it and use it to this day. He's over 90 years old, so I don't know how much skin he has left in the game when it comes to astronomy. But I know he's still like like a big figurehead in the community. So well, in a uh, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and assume he is probably a believer in extraterrestrial life out there somewhere. Oh, I imagine he'd have to be if he's. I mean, he spent most of his life, you know, committed to searching for extraterrestrial life. He was a part of was SETI. I think he still is a part of SETI, like technically. So right, right. Now, one huge change that has occurred is with the leaps and bounds and the discoveries made in exoplanets over the past two decades. That being said, the variable for the fraction of stars with planets used to be thought to be not really that high at all. Though, because of the many exoplanets found by planning hunting satellites like Kepler and the newest of these satellites, TESS, which is NASA's transiting exoplanet survey satellite, that number is now believed to be actually closer to one. So instead of being a small fraction, it's actually closer to being 1.0. Okay. So that would mean they have found actually quite a few that could sustain life? Well, not exactly the sustained life part. They have found exoplanets orbiting basically every star that we've looked at. So like every time they actually look out at a star, they're finding these exoplanets. Sometimes they are kind of like rocky planets that are similar masses to Earth. That's when we find them in the Goldilocks zone is when everyone gets really excited. Apparently what we find most often are called hot Jupiters, which are basically planets that are like Jupiter, just much larger, that orbit at a very close range to their star. Uh, they have really quick orbits too, sometimes as quick as like three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. Okay. That's really close then. Oh, yeah. It's extremely close. So imagine a imagine Jupiter, just twice the size and orbiting inside the orbit of Mercury, that close. So hot, I don't even think that the uh, citizens of fucking Arizona could live there. Yeah, it would be a close one. We might have to <laughs> stay inside during the air conditioning. So. <laughs> Whatever the variables are that you put into the Drake equation, one thing is for certain. The SETI program, which has been tasked with finding alien life using the same radio astronomy method developed by Drake and his team all those years ago, has not discovered any 
Alien Communique in its near 50 years of existence. And to finish off this episode, we're actually going to discuss five of my favorite possible theories that I've found and or made up as to why the universe is so damn quiet. Okay. All right. I uh, Why don't you fire away? I would love to hear these, Phil. All right. So the first one I'm actually going to call the prime directive kind of theory. Uh, actually, prime directive, that was given to me by a co-worker. He kind of thought that it sounded a little bit like Star Trek when he heard it, is when that, I told it to him the other day. Is that where that word comes from? Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek. Okay. Because I always feel like when you hear prime directive, it's always like some fucking evil corporation like that's their master plan to just fuck everybody over yeah that is kind of uh what it gets used for when you're talking like on the internet so but yeah the prime directive is uh the federation's policy when it comes up to life that's not quite developed enough to have warp drive capability so gotcha okay we'll fire the way so this theory states that there are alien civilizations out like all around us the only problem is we're not developed enough yet to be on the same level that they are so as to not interfere with our coming of age basically they're leaving us alone and just kind of letting us develop on our own so that we can kind of go through our own trials and tribulations figure out technology for ourselves without being polluted by outside interference you know what? I actually, I do like this. This is kind of uh, one of the theories I've always kind of had about aliens. And if they are able to travel here is like, number one, if they can travel a speed of light or however they do, I would assume they can under, if humans can understand that we are a hostile species and yes. lack comprehension on anything you know, most people do, I would assume they're kind of like, let's just leave them alone because we won't exactly get a warm welcome, you know, to come <laughs> communicate with each other. Yeah. And the funny thing too, is a lot of people kind of look at our history and talk about how violent of a species we are, like on a civilization level, you know, looking at like World War One, World War Two, all of the wars of the past. The truth is, the more technologically advanced that we get, actually, the more peaceful that we've become. Uh, we are actually living right now during the Great Peace, is what it's called. Since World War II, we really, like, if you look at all of the decades from, like, the Age of Discovery, like the 1500s, to World War II, if you look at those decades compared to now, we've actually gotten a lot more peaceful since those times. That is a good point. But also, it wouldn't take much to flip that switch. I mean, you think it wouldn't, but the thing is, weapons get more and more destructive. The, you know, I mean, we haven't really developed anything beyond the bombs that we had back in like the 80s or 90s. Like, you know, out well, that we know of. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I was going to say the pro. Yeah, exactly. The problem is if we have these tiny little proxy wars like we have right now, that's really good for business when it comes to the, you know, the killing business, basically um, making weapons, contract, you know, all like having civilian contracts, all that good stuff for war. But a world war would be so highly destructive that it would kind of end the party for all of the people getting rich. Um, so 
It's one of those deals. That's the real. That's like the real reason we probably haven't had a World War Three is because of how fucking expensive it would be and how devastating it would be. Yeah. Here's the other thing, though. Outside of just giant wars, humans are very violent towards each other as well. Just in yes. general, like, yeah, it. Think of all the fights. Think of all the homicides. Think of all the things like that. Like, obviously, one crazy person who kills his spouse isn't going to have the ability to take down alien species. But I'm saying, uh, still, humans can get violent when they are, I don't know, afraid, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same thing when we look at animals. So when when you think about a lion, you're not going to look at a pack of lions and be like, well, you know... um, Half of these lines are really nice and half of them might eat my face. So I'm going to pay attention to which of these lions are, you know, nice and which are mean. You're going to assume that lions on average are going to eat your face. Yeah. Now, when it comes to cows, on average, for the most part, cows are just going to stand there and eat and shit and maybe fuck every once in a while. One of them might stomp you, but on average, you're going to think, oh, well, cows are pretty nice. So that's kind of how aliens, I'm assuming, would put that on humans. Like on average, most of them, you know, are just kind of drones, but a few of them are fucking killers. So I'm going to assume that aliens, if they looked at us today, they would probably assume most of us are just kind of like wandering beasts, you know, just kind of drones. What if working for Jeff Bezos? What if they use the internet as like, how they assumed humans behaved, that would give us a really bad... That'd give oh, anybody the algorithm? a bad... <laughs> well, yeah, the yeah. algorithm would tell them some pretty bad shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be bad. That The Twitter alone algorithm would fucking... <laughs> they would turn right the fuck around and go home. Yeah. Like, no, we don't want any part of them. No. So, <laughs> yeah. So the next one I'm going to go into is kind of a theory... Really just that there's a lack of life out there besides humans. Now, this basically puts into the Drake equation variables that are very, very low. Really now, if you look at this, it kind of states that in the Milky Way galaxy, there's only one advanced civilization in the entire galaxy, and that's us. Possibly there were advanced civilizations before us, and possibly there's going to be advanced civilizations on different planets after us. But right now, really, it's just us. And there might be an average of one in every galaxy out there. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned this one, um, I think this is actually the the thing that Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about a lot, that the odds that two advanced civilizations rise at the same time, He, I, that's what he said now that I think about it, is more likely that, let's say, humans... Humans are the advanced civilization right now. If they crumble and then another civilization happens in another galaxy, we'd be wiped out and they wouldn't even know that we were here at one point. Like basically two advanced civilizations in the universe rising at the same time. That's now I remember that was kind of his things. The odds of that happening. That's what he said. Well, it's it's just like imagine if. There was an advanced civilization 80,000 years ago, and it was in St. Paul, Minnesota. Would you know about that advanced species 80,000 years ago? No, you would know nothing about it because civilization had crumbled 
crumbled for 50,000 years until farming was basically reinvented. And then every, like the dust had basically gone over all of their graves. So it's kind of the same thing with the universe. We have no idea. There might have been an advanced civilization on Mars like 200,000 years ago, but we won't know because dust has covered everything up, you know? Very true. Well, I guess if this is the case, humans would be smart to start trying to colonize on as many other planets as they can. Yeah, that is kind of the reason why uh, I think that a lot of people are trying to, like a lot of the rich people are trying to fund missions to start colonizing Mars or possibly the moon or just really living in space is because they realize that the planet might only have, you know, the ability to bear humans for another century before it's just can't do it anymore. Yeah. I, uh, after everyone is talking about all these wild ass storms, um, somebody was talking about a lot of them theorize if they don't change by 2060, one of the ozones will be so badly damaged. It's going to raise the temperatures quite a bit. Yeah. We need to have not as many humans on this planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that will uh, wipe them out pretty quick. Bill Burr is correct. We <laughs> need to drop that number by quite a bit. So you spoke about Neil deGrasse Tyson before. That brings us to the third one, which is that the universe is simulated. Okay. Like you're saying, as in the episode we covered early on, simulation theory type? Yes. So basically, this theory states that... The universe is actually simulated. The reason why only we only really see life on Earth and nowhere else is because this simulation, uh, I believe in the episode 10, we were talking about this, is that the simulation doesn't really have any life outside of the Earth because it's saving on memory. Just like when you play a video game. Like if you play Skyrim, you only really see what's in front of you. What's going on in other towns isn't really happening because it's saving on memory, basically. Yeah, this, uh, you know what? This is a popular theory. I almost think if we found out (laughs) we were nothing more than a simulation, um, it might make humanity feel even more worthless than, like, basically, if someone proved that Christianity was or like Jesus never existed or something like that. Like the amount of crush to those people's souls, I think would be on parallel if everybody learned that they were nothing more than a simulation. Well, the thing about proving that there is no God or Jesus never existed or whatnot, a lot of the Christians will just, you know, say, no, it's true, and then just go on with their life. If you prove that there was a simulated universe, it would definitely be an interesting three months. So three months. I think the, I think three months, it would be pretty weird. And then everyone would just realize that just get back to work, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Just well, get back to work. I just would want to know who the fuck's making everybody's life so goddamn boring. I don't know. I mean, like, can they're you... obviously, like we mentioned in episode 10, they're obviously, if they're playing me, then they've had the game on pause for how long? Yeah. Because I mostly just sit around and watch TV yeah. besides when I'm at work. They're obviously not doing much with their avatar. No, so. no, absolutely not. And uh, basically, we talked about Neil deGrasse Tyson 50-50. So that's, I don't know if he still believes it's 50-50, but it's kind of a good little, as you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. 
equal chances. I'm, I'm pretty sure with how that man talks, everything in life is 50-50, including the female orgasm. So it's like, ah. I, I think it just, you know what? Maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. He won't pick a side. <laughs> Everything's a probably or a maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so the next theory that I kind of found was uh, a little bit of a weird one. Not as weird as the last one. That this is a zoo. Earth is actually just kind of an enclosement. And aliens come here to visit just to see what the wacky humans are up to lately. And then they get the hell out of town before you know we discover them. Uh, basically... This kind of states that not only is Earth a zoo for viewing humans, but it's also for enclosing humans. So the aliens really aren't going to let us out when we start coming up with our own technology or they're going to try to stunt our technology. Now, this would also uh, does this kind of lean into the one where the aliens have just put a like egregious amount of species on this planet and just like kind of. Humans and animals, and just kind of let them coexist. Oh, like the South Park theory? Yeah, um, I don't know if the, that the television show Earth, when they basically took all of the all of the animals from the different planets and put them on Earth to make a reality television show. I mean, you know what? It kind of makes sense. How can you explain what the fuck a platypus is? Like, come on. Yeah, deer from the planet deer. And yeah, all there that you stuff. Go. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I would probably be more inclined to believe this one over simulation theory. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that I don't think it's like what you were saying where they took animals from different planets and put them on Earth. That's kind of weird. But I do like the think that aliens do come visit Earth just to see what the wacky humans are up to. And then they leave knowing that we're not going to be able to go after them. So well, that, that's kind yeah, of a fun theory. I could like that theory, but minus the um, we're trapped here. I think it's more like could be an attraction. Just like an attraction, like we don't want to leave Earth. No, no, no. Like we're not trapped here per se. We just don't have the technology to necessarily leave. But also it's kind of fun to just watch a primitive species and how they act compared to them. Yeah. And like whenever you watch a documentary on like a tribe, uh, people still kind of living in the old ways, it's kind of interesting because you think that maybe like your people, like maybe that's how they lived thousands of years ago. Right. You know? Right. They're literally uh, intergalactic bird watchers. Basically. Yeah. 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 Or they're, it's just like going to the zoo and seeing the monkeys in the enclosure, passing them peanuts, you know? Yeah. Watching Unfor them wave at you and Unfortunately, shit. we don't get the opportunity to throw shit at them like uh, monkeys do, but uh, maybe one Someday. day. Someday. Someday yeah, we day. will. <laughs> that's, my, that's my dream, to just throw my own shit at an alien's face. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So the last theory is kind of weird, and it's a little bit, uh, it's a little different than the rest of them. I actually saw it, it was a couple weeks ago. This is the reason why I wanted to make this episode was just for this. It's called the Dark Forest Theory. Okay, what does this entail? So basically, this is saying that the universe is like a dark forest with just a bunch of hunters kind of roaming through the forest. Now, all of these civilizations are just like the hunters. And basically, all of the advanced civilizations out there are purposefully trying to be quiet because they're worried about a more powerful species trying to attack them. 
So if they actually are quiet and they find an advanced species before they are themselves found, the theory is that they will strike first in order to take that species out before they're taken out themselves. Okay. Uh, interesting. It's very weird. Um, I, the problem I'm seeing is humans aren't necessarily trying to be very quiet. No, they actually might be hearing. That's the, the theory is if one of these advanced civilizations, like say they are exactly 120 light years away. So in maybe 19, 18, whatever light years, as many as it takes to get there, when our actual radio frequencies first reach them, the theory is if they're at all hostile or at all worrying about their own safety, they might send like planet killing, you know, like in uh, Starship Troopers, sending planet-killing asteroids at Earth. It's kind of a worry that they might send planet-destroying ships to come destroy us before we can destroy them. Okay. Or maybe they sent in moles known as Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, the Waltons, uh, Barry Satiro. Donald Jeff Trump. Bezos to destroy our yeah, civilization. They're rotting yeah. it from the inside. That's uh whoever owns ExxonMobil, uh Standard Oil Company, they've got us by the balls, man. All right, Zuckerberg, go and create yeah. Facebook and teach them a thing or two about suffering. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's a quick way to destroy us. Facebook has done more to destroy us than like fifty years of communism ever had. So yeah. it was quick too. <laughs> I know, right? And, if the Russians would have just came up with, we'd all be speaking Russian right now, eating beets and fucking digging fucking ditches for fields you, and shit. They you, would have won. Have you watched that video of uh, Zuckerberg? He's like barbecuing or something. And he literally says, I, I'm cooking like a human does now or something like that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I think he was just kind of joking about how everyone thinks he's an android. Yeah. But I would be a little bit worried that he's cooking a human female on that grill. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. You know, he uh, he probably it's the only thing that uh, satisfies him anymore uh, when he's that rich. But uh, how, OK, so you obviously have been pretty in the camp that you believe an alien species would be immediately hostile towards us. So how are you yes. feeling about this theory? Is that why you like this theory? I do like the dark forest theory. I also like the prime directive theory. I like to think that there are alien species out there. They're just not going to fuck with us until we figure out whatever milestone we need to until basically then. So until we figure out how to go from, uh, so there's different levels right now. We're at level zero. We're a level zero civilization. Once we gain control of our own planet, our own planets, like energy sources, that's level one. Then there's level two, where we gain at, like control of our own star. Level three is where we gain control of like multiple stars or like kind of like the galactic power. So I think we have to cross into level one before they would even talk to us is kind of the deal. Okay. I actually do like that as well. And the interesting part of this is all the UFO stuff and alien encounters and everything we've talked about on this show, it always seems like they're not necessarily interacting with people directly, but they're almost like dropping hints. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just by kind of their activities or like on a mass scale. They're, sometimes they scale up 
the um the sightings sometimes they scale them down um it is kind of hard to figure it out though because there is so much like bullshit sightings and bullshit um abductions out there you don't really know what's real at all you gotta assume most of it's fake most of it's just humans who want attention especially the ones you see in front of a camera at one of those conventions they're fake every hundred percent every one of them is fake the, so, the, you can't argue otherwise. You get you can see the look in their eyes. It's an unblinking look of please God acknowledge me. That's the unblinking look you get. So there's also I this is just my theory is that they want us to discover almost like a resource or a way of traveling that we haven't yet. Um, you know, that that's kind of the always always the way I felt like it's all around us, but we haven't realized how to utilize it yet. That's kind of, oh. kind of the thing that always has gotten me. Just listening to like how they talk, um, all these alien abductions and stuff. They always talk about light, right? Um, so that always it's it seems to pop up in like every story. Uh, mm. And UFOs are always associated with lights, light sources. So it's always, I don't know, something about that has always perplexed me. Yeah. I mean, who really knows? I don't know. Like the whole the whole thing about like, oh, I got a message from the aliens and I'm all, you know, they told me something and they wanted me to give you the message. And every time I hear that, I always think I'm special. The aliens think I'm special. Right. You know, they picked me. I'm special. So I can't really believe anything that anyone says about aliens. Or what they say, or what their message is. So it's kind of hard for that situation. Right. I I totally get that. Um, I guess some of the times where it's like the hypnotic regression, and they get that information, is kind of interesting because if you are susceptible to hypnosis, then you, I don't know, it'd be really hard to f- fake that. I guess. I mean, it also means you're susceptible to manipulation by the hypnotist. Very so, true. Very yeah. true. That sort of thing. Uh, that is very true. It's just uh, that's just my feeling on it, but uh, but yeah, this is a uh, Drake's equation. Very interesting, very complicated, but very ahead of his time. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if he's gonna make it to actually communicating with another civilization, being that he's in his nineties now. But maybe, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Definitely. It would be, I mean, it'd be great if they would just show up on the White House lawn, you know, tomorrow, if they wanted to be friendly, not, you know, not angry. I'd just show up at Mr. Drake's house, his retirement home or wherever the hell he is right now. <laughs> Scare him half to death or put him in the heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. One <laughs> of the two. Uh, but anyway, if uh, anybody out there has their opinion on the Drake theory or uh, I guess why the aliens haven't communicated with us yet, where can they uh, re- t- where can they give us their opinion, Phil? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it's great hearing from everybody. Really, you know, it's great to hear all of the episode ideas, you know, all the praise, all of the, you know, all the hatred too. That that also helps. Uh, it's good to hear from everyone who's listening. Uh, better way to get a hold of us though is from our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, same thing. It's great to see all of the likes. Uh, a lot of you guys have been um, subscribing or following or whatever you call it on Instagram. So that helps. Um, yeah. Uh, Cody and I both have our own Instagrams. Mine is SDPodPhil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Cody's Above. 
I haven't been checking it nearly as often, but I will try to get back to you if you message me. Uh, last thing we need you guys to do is log on to iTunes, leave a show five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say. Thank you to everybody who's taking the time to do that. I've noticed a uh, little bump in that, so thank you. Uh, if you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just got to hit that follow button. Uh, aliens are welcome to do this as well. Uh, Phil, great episode. Never heard of Mr. Drake, but I love him. Uh, he might actually be more badass than the rapper Drake. We will find out. Maybe we should do have a little battle royale between them. Uh, but anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.